0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast. We're on episode 48 right now, kind of the reboot of the podcast for the 2022-2023 season, which is about to begin here pretty soon. Um, college basketball is my primary beat. That is the primary topic on this podcast. This week I was hoping to get a couple local basketball players. Something fell through on that. So, I bumped up an interview um, a little bit in the progression with assistant coach Tarvis Felton. I don't think Lobo fans know too much about Tarvis just yet. He uh, just got here in August, but he is very familiar not only with the Mountain West Conference, since he spent 10 years working at Utah State and the past four seasons as an assistant coach with the Fresno State Bulldogs. He also has a lot of familiarity with Lobo's primary rival within the non-conference, which is the New Mexico State Aggies, from his whack days when he was at Utah State. So we're going to have a conversation with Tarvish. I appreciate him for, for giving me the time and, and doing the conversation recently um, for this podcast. I do think Lobo fans are going to really enjoy getting to know Tarvish. I think that he obviously has a ton of experience around this league specifically, but he's going to work with the players well. He's a good recruiter. Um, he he did the primary recruiting on Orlando Robinson at Fresno State. Orlando Robinson was all-conference last year, the best center in the league, one of the best centers in the entire country. He's now on the Miami Heat roster in the NBA. So obviously he's, he's worked and developed with some um, really high-level type players. And he's also been coaching at a really high level in this league for, for quite a while now. So you're listening, obviously, to this podcast now. However you're listening, I appreciate that. But always like, subscribe, all the things you can do so every time these podcasts drop, they'll be right in your inbox or wherever your your playlist, um, depending on however you get this uh, podcast to you. But like I said, you can always find out on abqjournal.com slash sports, and we're going to have more digital content than ever before this season for sports coverage and for Lobo coverage in particular, at uh, abqjournal.com sports. So, as always, let me know what you think about this podcast and others. Give me some feedback. ggrammer at abqjournal.com is the email address, and you can always find me on Twitter, at Jeff Grammer. Let me know, but also let my bosses know. If you like this, if you're interested in advertising, if you have suggestions for the podcast, if you just want to give some feedback to people other than myself, you can let them know, and the feedback is always appreciated. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably at least somewhat interested in college basketball and Lobo basketball in particular. Some big dates coming up for college basketball, and I will run through a few of them now um, for Lobo basketball specifically. And that's October 19th. That's the day the All West uh, or the All Mountain West media poll will be released. The the preseason media poll for the Mountain West Conference. You'll have the predicted order of finish, one through 11 for the team. Media members around the league vote on that. You'll also have a five-member all-conference team. I think four of those players are locks. I think everybody will have four of them on their ballot, and those players, I'll, I'll reveal my four locks right now for the first team, and that's Isaiah Stevens, point guard at Colorado State, Matt Bradley, shooting guard at San Diego State, and then the two guys at Wyoming, Hunter Maldonado, one of the best forwards in the country, and Graham Ike, one of the best forwards in the country, frankly, as well, kind of came on last year. Both are are great post players. Do it in a variety of ways. Hunter Maldonado was actually a point forward, plays a lot of guard for them, but he is a forward. And um, I do think that those four are going to be your locks. That fifth position, who's going to be preseason all-conference, that's where you kind of have that conversation about there's two players out at Boise State, Marcus Shaver, Tyson Degenhart, who was last year's freshman of the year. Those two guys will be up for it. Um, and then the two Lobos, Jamal Maspern Jr. and Jalen House, they may split some votes. Maybe those eight players that I just named are going to be up for those five spots. Like like I said, I think there's four locks, and then there's four other players kind of fighting it out, duking it out for that fifth and final preseason all-conference pick. You're also going to have a freshman of the year pick. I think Donovan Dent for the Lobos has a, has a chance maybe to be a preseason all-freshman pick. There's also a player of the year pick and once you a newcomer of the year as well. So I think that there are some options or some opportunities for some Lobos to get some of those preseason accolades. And, and we'll see how that turns out. Again, October 19th for the preseason all-conference polls. October 21st, it's a Friday night, 7 p.m. in the pit. There's the cherry and silver game. It's free. Fans can go to it. There will be a 20-minute scrimmage. There will be a three-point contest and a dunk contest. First opportunity for fans to see a lot of these new Lobos. October 29th is the first exhibition game, the only exhibition game, and that's October 29th against CSU Pueblo. And then November 7th, Southern Utah. That's the regular season opener for the Lobos, and it's a good segue there because Southern Utah, ironically enough, is where today's guest on the podcast, Tarvis Felton, played his college ball, and he went from playing there and then he coached there some but primarily what fans of Lobo basketball probably are most interested in is Tarvish's time when he's been at Utah State for ten years, seven of those seasons under legendary Stu Morrill, who's who won six hundred and twenty games. They had some heated battles in the old whack days. Actually not the old whack days, the, the kind of more recent whack days um, with Utah State and Nevada. There was a big three-time or three-team kind of rivalry there between New Mexico State. Utah State and Nevada, and he was a part of those. He's looking forward to the UNM New Mexico State rivalry games. He knows how he can get in the Pan Am Center, and he's glad to be on the Lobo side of things for that rivalry game, but then he spent four seasons at Fresno State, learned an awful lot from Justin Hudson. We we got into that, what he learned from all of his stops along the way, and what he thinks of this year's Lobo team. He has He has some pretty lofty praise for it, but doesn't shy away from saying there's a lot of work to do, though. There's a lot on these players to get it done, so there you have it, there's all the setup you could possibly want for this edition of the Talking Grammar Podcast. Again, this is episode 48. Hope you enjoy my conversation with new Lobo men's basketball assistant coach, Tarvish Felton. So welcome to Albuquerque, man. How, how, when did you get here?
1: Uh, officially got into town like August 18th, 19th. And then left to go back to get the family, then came back. Had hey, you? Well, what's
0: the family? Tell me what the family. My situation my is.
1: wife and uh, my son, my eight-year-old son. Deacon. Eight-year-old son. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, so
0: I I spoke over you. What's his name?
1: Deacon. Deacon. Yep. Nice. And then my uh, my mother-in-law. So it's the four of us.
0: Is Deacon named after anybody?
1: Well, my daughter's name is Diaberry. Diaberry. And so we wanted uh, our son's name to start with a D. Yep. Uh, and so we just kind of figured Deacon, and then uh, I'm a huge Cowboys fan, so. Well that's Deacon what I was Jones but it's spelled D E E K A N uh and then uh, his middle name G is after his his my wife's dad to so his grandfather that was uh his first name was Gary. Okay. And so that's what the G stands for.
0: Um you I can't really let you say you're a huge Cowboys fan without kind of jumping into that right away. Okay. Uh, like that that doesn't there's a lot of Cowboys fans around but like that's one thing I can't let. Fly. I'm a 49ers fan. Okay. So now, you know we're America's team, the yeah, Star. I, I know you guys say you're America's team. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I would agree with it. Oh, it's true. You probably true. are. But. Yeah, um, I have the uh, the <laughs> To background where he did his thing on the Star, and then he did it with Dallas, and like yeah. <laughs> To's a T. O.'s a different guy. He is. Um, he is. But uh, so I'm. I was born in Santa Fe, up the road. Okay. And um, I was. I don't even know how old, but. Uh, my best friend's mom was also the babysitter and, and my best friend's dad. Uh huh. Uh, I was there Be I was, I was at my friend's house once and, uh, dad's watching a football game. It must have been a Monday night game or something. My, my mom was working late and, uh, 49ers were playing and the SF on the side of the helmet. He said it was the Santa Fe 49ers and I, I wasn't in a huge sports. Um, house growing up as a single mom and yeah, she wasn't really into sports. So I had no idea. I thought it's Santa Fe 49ers. I yeah. thought Joe Montana and Jerry Rice lived down the road from, from me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's my team. Yeah. I love the Santa Fe 49ers. It was probably three, four years later. I was probably like, you know, like 10 years old before I realized, wait, they're not here, they're somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm still a 49ers fan. Uh, I grew up at a time when they were obviously, I was kind of at the really getting into it at the end of the Joe Montana era. And okay. Was, but Steve Young was pretty darn good. Too. He was really good. But that was also in those nineties, right? When those cowboy games, there were some rivalry. There. Oh, man. Big time. There were some good ones. Oh, so,
1: goes back to the catch. <laughs> it does. It does.
0: It started at the catch. Yeah. And, um, which recently I didn't even occur to me. I, I guess I knew this through the years, but, um, that, uh, the guy that called the catch, um, for, uh, the, the Dodgers guy that, that called, Vince Scully yeah. called the catch. And I mean, didn't even occur to me that he was doing football games, but back then he did them all. Did man. them all. He so. did all. I've had some good moments uh, as a 49er fan against the Cowboys. Sure. I've had some other bad moments against the Cowboys <laughs> too. So. We we've all been there, but, been on both sides. You watch them as much as you can every Sunday? I try to as yeah. much as I
1: as much as my stomach allows me to. Yeah. <laughs> it,
0: I I'll, I'll say this and I I I feel for you because I think being a Dallas Cowboy fan, especially the last several years where it always kind of I know the hype isn't any fans' fault, but like there's hype every year about the Cowboys, you get right. used to that. But man, there, there just hasn't been those results and, and you know right. that. I'm not trying to do We've continue been, we've to buy been long, close. We just gotta get over the hump. It really is so yep. close every year it seems like, yep. right? So um all right, so off of the football front, the uh the basketball front, man. The, you you work for a guy who I used to love watching coach, and that's Stu Morrow. Yeah. Um I kinda wanna start there and I'll get back to the playing days, you guys sure. opening against your alma mater and all that, but Stu Morrill, I was at a Mountain West Media Day the first year that Utah State was in the Mountain West. Uh-huh. I remember him telling me about this playbook he had that was huge. He had a huge playbook. And and I know that some some coaches don't even have a playbook anymore. Uh-huh. So it's a very different style. Yeah. Do you remember him having a pretty big playbook? I don't remember it being
1: very big. It was we did have a playbook. It it was never more than and,
0: and maybe that's me even remembering. Yeah, it, it that was
1: way. it was never more than fifteen, twelve to fifteen plays. Okay. And a lot of them were the same play, they just, we just ran them to different sides of the floor, okay. And so he, he used the card system, uh, which I, he got it from Mike Montgomery, who, yeah. who got it like I think Judd Heathcote started it back in the, their Montana days, okay. Uh, but so we would have plays, and one would say, like, we ran dribble, which is his famous play where we got the underneath uh layup a lot, okay, and so we. He had dribble right, but he also had dribble left. So it was the same play, you just re- ran yeah. right and left. So each each one had his card, and so sometimes it felt like it was a big, thick playbook, but it, it wasn't. It was, it just, had, variations, it was, but it was just variations. He had it all
0: drawn out, I guess, and kind yeah. of spelled out. Yeah, we
1: had it all every every play call had a name, and then that name was uh, was kind of the signal the way we signaled it into our players, and uh, it was very uh, it was something that obviously it was ingrained into his system of coaching. So we used those, we called them play cards. Yeah. We used play cards from the first day in practice. And so kids got used to getting the call from the card, not necessarily looking for a coach or listening for a whistle, just, just getting to the card. And so guys that learned how to do that from, from day one. And so it was kind of, and so it never really, it was, there, it was never a problem or issue during games.
0: I'm curious when. Um how many years were you with with Utah state with Stu I, I was with Stu for 7. I was Stu, with Utah state for 10. Yeah. Stu 7. Oh those no, 7 years with Stu. W- what did you take away from Stu more? Uh
1: his his so, common was... sense approach to everything. Uh he didn't believe in in doing something that wasn't going to be done in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't believe in doing stuff just for the sake of doing it. Uh and then just the way he built his teams he knew how to put teams together Uh, and I say that like he knew how to make the pieces fit on the on the on the on the chessboard Uh, Being able to combine the different characters and and that we had in our program but getting shooters to play with non-shooters and just kind of how he put his teams together was it was it was fun to watch. Well, I'm a New Mexico State
0: graduate, so okay. <laughs> you, you and those Utah talk about wars. <laughs> I'm telling you, there were some big ones. Man. Oh man, there were some big ones. Um, from from even way back when I was still a student, but like then I was a sports editor in Las Cruces for a while. When when man, there were some there were some good, good battles there. Oh, yeah. and, and I know you know the Mountain West to WAC kind of convergence happened. Um, but for a while there, it was, it was a three team kind of WAC race with Nevada, Utah State, New and, um, State. and New yep. Mexico State, yep. and I, I, I think people, especially here that are Lobo fans, Lobo-centric, and that's fine. They're, they're very passionate. They yep. love their Lobos. There's no denying that. Um, but I think because the Lobos had what they had going on in the Mountain West, they might have not appreciated how good that little three-team rivalry was there for a couple of years in the world. Right. Last. Absolutely. That's big time. Do you oh, remember some Oh, man. I days? do.
1: I do. I remember, like, my, let's see, uh, my first couple of years with Stu, it was, that was when, uh, Nevada had, uh, Babbitt and Armand Johnson okay and and I mean the league was so good like Let's see. We won the league outright the first year and I think we beat Nevada in the championship game Okay, then the next year we lost to New Mexico State in the championship game, but we got an at-large It uh, was
0: like 27 28 wins or something yeah, like yeah, right?
1: we beat yeah. Wichita State that year the and, the and what used to be the old bracket buster games yep. Uh, and the league was good that year, because I think that was the year. Remember, La Tech had jumped up and got right. with uh, uh, Magnum Roll and uh, Kyle right. Gibson, right. that group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were good. Like We had four teams that played in the postseason that year. Us and New Mexico State went to the NCAA tournament. I think Nevada went to the NIT. Nevada and La Tech might have both gone oh, to the NIT. NIT. And so, yeah, like and those, like, we were just, and then, uh, that, so we were there at the, I wasn't there for Reggie's year, but then when Marvin took over. And then from then on, it was just a battle every year. Those two teams were always uh, right there. And so it was Nevada. We were always, one of the three were always either in the championship, playing each other in the semifinals. Yep. Like, it was always uh, those those three well, teams. Well, those
0: Marvin teams, those those Marvin years, I can't remember what his initial team was and, and what
1: happened. Killing how, water uh, and the uh, so guards, and... Uh, Josh Gibson, Jamar Young. Jonathan Gibson. Jonathan Gibson.
0: You know, Jonathan Gibson's playing like in – I want to say China was yep. the last place to I think play, he's and China. he's scoring like 30 a game yep. over there. I think there.
1: he's playing China. Yep, still yep. playing. He's scoring Ernst a LaRoche, too. remember him? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chile in the uh, Chile, Nepal, like those, yep. he had some big, huge
0: I did a story on Chile once where uh, during NBA Summer League in, in Vegas and, and off to the side at UNLV in their, like, rec center, they had a tryout for – just international scouts were there looking at all those players, and Chile was there kind of working out right oh, trying out. I just remember
1: he had the biggest calves I've ever seen.
0: Well, he's the kind of guy that kind of embodied, in my mind, what Marvin had going there for a while. He would have some huge guys yeah. on those teams. Yep. Some of those teams look like football, offensive lines, because yep. um, he'd always have a couple. Couple big bruisers, and, and they were, I mean, they were good. Yeah. You, you know what? You those coached are, against those. It, so. Those are some, yeah, those are some battles. Well, those, those battles now kind of are the, the New Mexico State UNM rivalry. Um, New Mexico State has two rivals, but the, but the Lobos have not as much with UTEP. I wish, I wish UTEP was back on the schedule. That's a, yeah. not your deal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the New Mexico State thing, you guys play them twice a year. It's a unique thing where it's a home and home out of conference. Yeah. Um, you looking forward to getting back to to the Pan Am Center <laughs> I'm sure they'll welcome you I'm very sure, they, I'm politely. sure I'm
1: sure they will you know this has always been uh you know the University of Mexico being out with it's always been a big time basketball situation here and just very excited to be a part of it and obviously you understand the the, the rivalry here in the state between those two yeah. those two places and so yeah looking forward to it uh, to playing uh being back down there but you know always a tough place to play it is. Uh, and then obviously understanding how how important
0: the game is and the one here too because they they bring in a lot of a lot of obviously New Mexico state graduates in the Albuquerque area but then they travel some of them too so yeah. the game here while it's it's the biggest game every year attendance wise um and it's it's by far, still more Lobo fans than Nagy fans. You'll still hear a lot of them here at sure. the game here. And it, it gets intense every year. There's always And always every game, happens. it always seems like the games always come down to like the last possession.
1: Yeah. Every game, no matter where it's played, no matter how the teams finish the season or start the year, yep. when they play each other, throw the records out. And it's just...
0: Games like that that matter, though, are, are what make it fun. Right? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Let me back up and talk about your basketball playing career and kind of what got you into coaching. Where, where are you from?
1: I'm originally from Georgia, okay. a little small town, Perry, Georgia, about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. Yep, you but,
0: played uh, pretty good, uh, good enough to play in college. so You must have been pretty good in high school, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, high school basketball in Georgia back when I was there, obviously it's the South, and so if you if you're familiar with SEC, it's all about that yeah. area is all about football, and so at that time a lot of kids were playing basketball to stay in shape after football season. Uh, but, you know, I was the tallest guy on my high school team. We had a pretty good high school basketball team. Uh, uh, I think at one time we were ranked number three in the state. And there were some really good players in the state of Georgia at that time. Uh, Matt Harping, who ended up okay. playing in the NBA for a long time. Uh, D'Antonio Wingfield, Montego Cummings, uh, Sharif abdul All uh-huh. those guys were, you know, played for, for quite, a little, quite a long time. And so the basketball was starting to just get better. Uh, at at that that level, and so was able to play. Then went played junior college ball for a year in, in Northeast Community College in Norfolk, Nebraska. Okay, uh, which is the home of Johnny Carson. By the way, people may really know that that's where Johnny Carson was. There we go. Born and raised actually Carson High School, uh, but yeah, and then
0: was able to go play at Southern Utah University uh, and finish my career there. Uh, college days. What do you? What was the biggest memory? Did you have any big highlights in particular or one game, something that you... My first year... What's the story you like telling the kids? Well, my first year
1: as a player there, we were independent. Okay. Which means we weren't, We had no conference affiliation. You probably actually played some really good teams So there. it was... Uh, I tell people there's no... I was the first study of what online class was because we were, we were independent, so we didn't have a conference. So getting games in January and February... It was you get really them hard get where you can get them, right? You get where you can get them, and you didn't play very many at home. Yeah. We were on the road for the entire month of January, Jeez. Uh, and so didn't go to school in class at all. But was able to find a way to, to get it done. But uh, just playing that schedule that year, you know, at Arkansas after they coming off winning a national championship, got a chance to play against Tulsa and Shea okay. Seals that that group. Uh, you know, played against a really good Virginia Commonwealth team. I'm trying to think who else did we play that year. Uh, played at UNLV, played St. Louis back when uh, Charlie Spooner was coaching. Oh, like, that- we played some really, the University of Utah when they were, I think that was a year before they went to that Final Four with Van Horn, and Andre Miller, and Doliak. And-
0: Man, Utah was one of the, getting to the point, this will upset some of them, but the older Lobo fans here yeah. remember those those oh, games yeah. and those teams. and. Majerus was a, a yeah. huge pit feeder, no, here, no doubt.
1: London, so. And so, yeah, just having the opportunity to play, you know, play basketball in some big time arenas and uh, you know just kind of play at that level was it was it was a joy for me. So when did you deep, get into dream come true?
0: When did you get into
1: coaching? Uh, I immediately got into coaching after I got done playing. I you know had some opportunities to go play over in Europe, but back then it was you know you might make eight hundred dollars a month. Yeah. <laughs> And might but, get paid. But, yeah, you might, and you might not get paid. Yeah. The, the contract might say 800 but they still might not pay yeah. you. So uh, so decided, I, I w- always knew I wanted to be a coach. Uh, just kind of, I love being around the game. Uh, and the game did so much for me growing up, uh, giving me opportunities that I, I otherwise probably would not have had. Uh, just felt like that was kind of my, my passion, my calling. And so uh, immediately got into coaching, state there at Southern Utah. Uh, actually was in that used to be called restricted earnings, that third assistant spot that didn't make any money, uh, and was uh, actually, at night, I would go uh, work on a pig farm really to make money. I, w- I would work uh, at, at, like, 11 at night to 7 in the morning.
0: This sounds like one of those stories you hear, you hear from way back when, but it wasn't that long ago.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I know. This uh, 99, 2000, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: I know, I know things are definitely a little different in college basketball, but, like, I think people forget, like. He wasn't always a, you weren't always making a good living as an assistant coach of college basketball. No, (laughs) no, it was a,
1: it was a lover's, it was a lover's deal back then. You had to love the game, especially starting out. You had to, you had to, uh, you know, cut your teeth, so to speak, pay your dues. But, uh, but yeah, did that uh, for a year and then was able to get my first full-time job working with a guy named Dave Unai at Cal State LA. So, uh, and then I was his first because he didn't have full-time assistants to start he had part-time guys but uh i was one of his first full-time assistants and i was able to be with him for two years at the division two level there in, in in california and that was kind of where i got my start in the business full-time and then was able to go to texas a&m international and started that program as a head coach uh, down in laredo texas starting up a program is a real
0: deal man that's oh, tough
1: it was it was it, looking back on it i probably had no business doing it i was 25 <laughs> years old uh didn't know what I was doing, but it was fun. I, I learned a lot about myself, about the game and about the business of, of college athletics and, and being, you know, in in a situation where you're kinda of a border town, a lot like El Paso or yeah. Las Cruces even for that matter, but uh just kind of being in that situation and uh you know, building a team from scratch and what it what it took to to do that. And uh, you know, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know what you didn't know, right? I mean, exactly. That's exactly. the way you go about it sometimes. But so had, had so it the, really the way first, you knew it sometimes,
0: if you knew exactly. that, you might not have probably
1: would have. Yeah, if you know what was going on, you probably never would have did it. But had a great, great experience, learned a lot, uh, and was able to to do that. And then went back to Southern Utah in a full time role, and get, I wanted to get back to Division One, yeah. uh, and did that. And then went to Sac State, and then was able to get on at Utah State and spent like ten years there.
0: So the Utah State um, tenure, I talked about Stu. Uh, and working with Stu um was it was it was Tim for i think four seasons three, after that, three, three, seasons, three seasons after yep um so what what was that like i know you had i mean there was that one team that had the two freshman guards and Sam and Kobe like yep. that that was a, an unbelievable freshman backcourt now they went both went on different paths obviously Kobe went out elsewhere but um that was a pretty good backcourt You're like they yeah. had some talent there yeah we had
1: we had a good team we we had a, we laid a good foundation there and we felt like we we were on the, in the right direction. and uh, We were in the process of trying to add a couple more pieces. Like that team, I think we lost to New Mexico in the semifinals of the, uh, the Mount West Tournament that yeah, year. Sounds right. Uh, yeah, because we, we came off of beating Boise and uh, beat Colorado State, then beat Boise to get to the semifinals. and We were, we were just young, you know, yeah. and, and uh, as you know, this league, it's a man's league. You win with men, you've got to have some experience. Not very many young teams. Win in the in this league, and so uh, and we, but we were able to you know learn and grow from there, and, and then obviously that that group went on to do some really good things. I think they went on to win what two straight uh, Mount West championships yeah. or conference championship tournament championships, and uh,
0: but that's you know it's part of the business. Well, I'll give a former Lobo assistant Jerome Robinson some credit here. Um, long before I realized how good Sam Merrill was, he kind of put a bug in my ear about he's like that guy's. Like, I think he can be in the NBA. I'm like, well, are you kidding me? And, and that's probably me seeing, like, I think, I think he had either a back injury at the time he was telling me this or something like that, where he was a little slow and stiff.
1: Well, he was, he come off his mission. Uh huh. He was a little overweight. Isn't that my <laughs> mission? Mission legs. And, and, yeah. and,
0: and I just, I didn't see it. I'm like, look, you know, may, maybe it's, maybe there's some, some uh, stereotypical stuff going on here. And I'm like, I don't see him. <laughs> and slow and not really turning the hips very quick and all that kind of. Like, I just don't see him in the NBA. Yeah. And then for two years, like he became, his last two years, and credit him for, yeah. I'm sure he put, I think he's the type of player that puts in some work. Oh, yeah. Um, credit him for what he became because yeah. he he did some wonderful things there. I'll
1: give you a story about Sam Merrill. This is freshman year, like I said, fresh off his mission. And you may or may not remember the kid, Shane Rector, that was from New York yeah, yeah. that played point guard. I do. Just quick, quick on quick. Uh, like Jalen House quick. Yeah. Uh, and we would do one-on-ones every day. And, Sam would like he would get matched up with Shane, have to guard him, and and Shane would just go by, bam, and be like, and Sam, would, ah, and like, hey, it's okay, you're probably not supposed to stand in front of him. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I can do it. Do it again. Do it again. Like he wanted that challenge every day. I'm gonna, and, and that was his deal, and that's what I think set him apart is. He loved for you to say he couldn't play. Yeah. He loved for you to say he couldn't win and he couldn't lead. Uh, you know, that was just, he always had that chip on his shoulder, even as a high school football player that won a state championship, high school basketball player that won a state championship. Like, he always loved that,
0: being in that role and loved for people to say what he couldn't well, and can't so do. coaches and, and people around basketball always say that about a player, right, That that they always have that. And then I come to find out, you know, I'm covering them or seeing them at practice. Stuff. Not all of them have that. No, like, no, uh, he had it. It,
1: <laughs> it was real, and he was uh, – and it's it's what has allowed him to kind of get to where he's at today is that he has that unbelievable knack for proving you're wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll bet. So that's you, – you're cutting your teeth on the Mountain West a little bit there and, you, and get to know it, and then the Fresno State is the transition. Obviously, Hudson – Justin Hudson's zone 4 Defense and, and the years at San Diego State kind of creating, I shouldn't say creating, they, they've got a good foundation over there. It's a lot of them that do it. But he was really a big part of, obviously, the defense there. Right. I'm curious what you took from the years uh, coaching with him and coaching Fresno State and maybe some of the pieces of that defensive uh, mindset that, that you might have been able to pick from him.
1: Just, you know, I think he has a tremendous basketball mind uh, at, for both ends of the floor. Like, people kind of know him for defense, but I – Basketball. I think he's known, I think he knows and understands the game and how it's played. And uh, he's the son of a coach. Uh, comes from a family of educators. Dad was a, a legendary high school coach uh, there in, in the uh, in the Bakersfield uh, Central Valley area. Um, and so being with him every day, just watching his teaching the detail and never letting anybody in the program be less than what his standard was uh he believed that he can you know build a championship level team and program there at fresno state believes he can build a championship level uh one of the best defensive teams in the country there uh and and we were you know last year we were were pretty good pretty good defensively and so uh i think that kind of watching him how he built his program and just attention to detail on, on a daily basis you were able to coach some pretty good players there, too. That's
0: what it's all about. Okay, where you're at. Right? You've got to have some good I like players. I talk about defense think, and schemes and play. You talk about all that. You gotta, if you don't have players, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the, the most recent, and, and then I'll kind of transition from that into maybe what you might be doing here a little bit, but how good is Orlando Robinson, and, and how good, when did you know he was maybe as good as he became? Did you know it early on? Well, I
1: recruited Orlando out of high school, uh, even before Vegas, right uh, from Vegas when he was uh, at, at high school down there in Vegas even before he went to Middlebrook's Academy He was this long skinny just skilled gangly kid uh, And he always he's young for his age like he he's always looked young uh, And so I thought he's gonna have a chance to play one day uh, you know once he kind of figures it out and matures and then sure enough we were Uh, we were able to recruit him and get him there at at Fresno. And from day one on campus, just kind of watching him, his work ethic was unbelievable. Like he was one of those guys that you literally had to kick him out of the gym. Uh, He wanted to do it every day. He wanted to be in the gym, work on something every day. Uh, And I thought that's what made him special. Uh, His size and skill, and then his, his work ethic on a daily basis.
0: I saw of him again, and maybe along the same lines of me just sort of being a little off with Sam Samara, but like I saw of him, maybe taking some some jump shots that I was like, oh no, you're you're a center, don't don't fall into the trap of thinking you're a a three and D kind of stretch force. Like you're a center, and I saw him earlier in his career, but he he became a really good. I mean, he stretched it like yeah. you're supposed to. And I guess maybe that's me, and and I know fans do this a lot, and and I try not to, but. Sometimes you jump on something early and you forget, like, well, the four years of college or five years of college, however it is, like, that's still the progression stage. Like, you might see a freshman or a sophomore do something yeah. that you can see, like, no, you don't do that. Yeah. But uh, they're still they're still yeah, expanding you see, their game. Yep.
1: You see, we, when we get them sometimes, they're 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And when they leave us, they're 22, 23. So you get them in the, you know, the young, the old caterpillar, you yeah. know, and then that, that, that. Maturation process, and then they they blossom and become what they what they what they're set out to be, and so yeah, like I mean, he was well rounded by the time by he, the time he left, he, he left yeah. he, he, there was nothing he couldn't do on the floor. He could make mid range, could dribble it, could pass. He, he's always been a phenomenal passer. Yeah, uh, could score it down there on the block, uh, and, and then could really stretch it. He could stretch the floor, and so. But again, it was all because of his work ethic, yeah. it, it, because he was probably at seventeen, eighteen, he was not a very good perimeter shooter wasn't strong enough you know didn't have the mechanics but but through the work process by the time he left us as a junior he had it he's
0: a guy that's going to make an nba roster i think i know he's yep. on the on one now but um he'll he'll, he'll be, figure out he'll, a way to stick yeah he'll he'll be he playing will. in the in nba games not just g league i think yep. um and, and that'll be fun to watch mount west has had a few of those through the years yes year. absolutely your your time at fresno state and then a, a short time in mount west wise anyway at utah state with your interactions with the pit and pit fans and and the University of New Mexico, you've had a lot of wins. I don't know what the record is, but you've actually had a lot of success on your the teams you've been a part of against the Lobos. And I'm curious what you thought of coming into the pit and and maybe, you know, what you what you took from all that. Now that you're on the Lobos staff, what you're doing? Like I, I said earlier,
1: I've always thought of this as one of the uh, the sexiest, best jobs uh not only in, in on the west coast but you know in all of just college basketball. Yeah. Uh the name New Mexico is very synonymous with with winning, with tradition, with uh a tremendous fan base and following and, and so it's 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 uh, it likens to the, the Utah states of the world that I've been able to be a part of. And so coming here always had a, a very special aura about it when we when we were coming here always knew it was going to be a battle because the teams here were always good. I remember when I was my first year as a coach here, coming here with Southern Utah, and this is when Fran for sure, I think, was coaching with Lamont Long and that group, okay. and uh, we had a, I think we had a chance to almost win that game at, at in late game, but again, you're playing in front of 15,000 people, and it's just You're not it, just playing the Lobos, you're playing no, the fans you're playing the fans, and it's no matter when we've come here it's always been a battle and it's always it's a fun environment if you like to compete and like playing in these kind of venues this is where you want to play uh and so having that in my mind on a daily basis and now being able to be here and hopefully having them cheer for us yeah. instead of against us and having snake being for me instead of at my throat when i get off the bus every
0: uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a welcome, uh, welcome look for me. I, uh, since you've been here, you've been on the pit floor. You guys have practiced and stuff. So you've already, you've done the walk a little bit. It, it may not mean much now. Maybe it does. I don't know, but, um, you, you're going to walk out to a game at some point soon against Southern Utah. Ironically enough, it's the first regular season game. Um, and you'll be walking down that ramp and it won't be taboos Yeah. For, <laughs> for the first time. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, but I imagine coming down that ramp's a pretty, Pretty surreal feeling when, when they, those boosts start coming down. Yes. And I know fans here know you guys are hopefully building something back up a little bit because it, it has dropped off a little bit, but it's still, I tell people, I, I get to go around the Mountain West, even in these these low year, lower years for local basketball, I mean, the pit's still right up there. Oh, it's still, even every bit. The, even yeah, the thin years are even good. Yes.
1: Yeah, even, even when the team is not doing what you, you want it to do or what it should be doing, the the fan and the support and the energy that you get on game night in this building is still one of the best in the country at, yeah. at any level. Uh, I'll put it against anybody. Uh, and so, yeah, to be able to be doing that now and they, they'd be cheering for us is I'm looking forward to it. But, you you know, and I think Coach Patino and, and the guys who were here before I got here have done a tremendous job in a very short period of time, I think, of Flipping the the roster, flipping the culture to get it where I think we have very good kids in the program. Uh, I think they're coachable. I think they, they want to learn. They, they're hard workers, uh, and I think we, we look we're looking forward to to continuing to build on that. For, Let's talk about this come.
0: team. And uh, this this team does have a chance to kind of I think get back to at least the higher the, the upper half, anyway. Certainly the upper half, but, but possibly a little bit higher than just saying the upper half. Um, you guys have some good pieces. What is your role on this team?
1: Well, I, I think you know probably one of the biggest things is, is having that experience in the Mount West and, and understanding you know what it's like to play at Air Force, what it's like to play at Utah State, you know, at St. like some of these places that you have to go and play. I think uh, I think that's something I think I'll be leaned on for. I think you know coming from a defensive-minded program that we had at 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 Fresno State. Uh, I think Coach is probably looking for me to help at, in that area as well, and continue to try to get some good players in here. You work with the big men
0: a lot, you think? Lately, it's big... been guards. As it, yeah,
1: okay. been the guards. I was, I, I was kind of both all over the place at, at yeah. Fresno. I think my first couple years I was with the guards, and in the last couple years I was with the bigs uh, at Fresno. So like when I got there, it was you know Deshawn Taylor and Braxton Huggins, and that Noah Blackwell that group, and then. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved over and started working with the with the bigs there towards the end but and then was able to do both at at utah state as well so uh right now it's mostly been you know guards and wings but uh but you know really gonna hone in at the defensive end and, and the rebounding
0: this team have it in it does it have it the the potential to be a good defensive team we do some We teams do
1: because we, we do we have because we we have some physicality uh we we have some experience in in you Know our front line a little bit. You know, we're not as thin. I think last year's team here, you just had no presence at the rim. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, in you know, Tovar was playing, you know, in and out of you know, position as a five. Yeah, he'd never played a five uh, before. Sebastian's young, yep. uh, and so it's just kind of one of those deals. But I think you know, I think our guards are, are good enough that they can, you know, should do a better job staying in front of the basketball. But uh, I think having some 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 men down there in the in the trenches is uh going to give us a chance to be more physical and and, and be be a better presence defensively on the, on the glass and and you know on the post around the basket
0: what's it like working with
1: the staff it's it's some some good pieces on the oh, staff it's been, it's been great uh you know these guys have all welcomed me with open arms and I've I've been fortunate enough in my 20 plus years or 23 whatever it is years of coaching that I've 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 never been in in a situation where there was egos on the staff where we did not get along as a staff i think staff chemistry synergy whatever word you want to use i think that's huge where everybody's pulling in the right direction and and nobody really cares who gets the credit as long as we're all trying to do the same thing which is you know win games and and, you know help these young men reach their goals uh and i think this staff has a lot of experience at, at at, at every level uh and and uh, you know I'm I'm very fortunate
0: to be a part of it. Sounds like you're excited. I'm very excited. I am. What uh I'll wrap it up with this. If if we're talking again, you know, a, a year from now or right at the end of the season, um, you know, championships would be nice. A, a bunch of wins would be nice. But like, what what would be a successful year if it if we're not talking just wins and losses and we're not talking championships? Like, what do you hope to get out of this year? and, oh man
1: that's a that's a good question i, I mean obviously you want to win i mean you, yeah. you're, you're in this you you coach and these kids are here because they want to they want to win and and make the the community proud and and put New mexico basketball back where it belongs at the, at the top of the top of the Mountain west and one of the best uh teams and programs in the in the in the in the region and in the country uh you know are we there yet that remains to be seen but at the end of the year if we've done everything we can to improve uh in every way, shape or form, you know we got to get better defense, we got to get better rebounding than basketball uh we got to continue to do a good job of taking care of the ball and being efficient at both ends of the floor. If we do that, the winning will take care of itself
0: because we do have enough talent to win uh so and I guess that's sort of what I'm curious about like it, it's easy, especially in we're still in September, which is probably too early for college basketball, but uh, you have the forty two days, days Um <laughs> Everybody talks about their team, and they have the potential to do this. But, but you've seen enough teams in this league specifically. Uh-huh. You you do believe that this team has the talent to to. to be we able have to do the it. pieces
1: necessary to to be one of the best teams in the league. Yes, you,
0: you coaches just can't get in the way.
1: We just can't. Yep, can't screw them up. <laughs> just, it's up can't. To the can't screw them up. You know, you got to continue to build that. It's going to be on like Coach tells them every day. It's going to be about if they're going to have the the energy that it takes to survive the league because this league will eat you up. Really? Uh, you can go to San Jose and you could go to Air Force and get your butt kicked and then you have to come home and play Boise or San Diego State. Yeah. And so you got to be able to forget about whatever happened, win or lose the night on Wednesday night or Thursday night or whatever the TV does to us yeah. and be ready to play the next one. And that's that's going to take energy. That's going to take discipline. That's going to take some maturity if we can – grow and have that, then we'll have a chance. We'll have awesome. a chance. So.
0: I appreciate it, man. I mean, Thank it's you. Good to, it's good to finally actually talk with you in person a little bit. Likewise. And Likewise. Uh, I look forward to this season, man. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks Thank for having you. me. All right. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tarvis Felton, the new Lobo men's basketball assistant coach, longtime coach in the Mountain West, has a, has a whole lot of knowledge about this league, a lot more than... Then maybe anyone else on the staff other than Dave Pilipovich. Obviously, Eric Brown has some Mountain West um, background as well. But um, Dave Pilipovich, the former Air Force coach, is the special assistant head coach to to Richard Patino. He has a whole lot of Mountain West experience, obviously. Obviously, But Tarvis Felton's right there with him. Those two guys know this league better than anybody on that coaching staff. So, um Big addition for the Lobos. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Next week, the plan is to have two players together on the podcast, me talking with both of them, and hopefully we'll get some of those players to, to interact with each other, tell some stories about each other, let some so the readers of the Albuquerque Journal and the listeners of this podcast kind of have some insight to their thoughts on the team and how they interact with each other, some stories that we can't really get any other way. Press conference settings don't really lend themselves to great storytelling these podcasts hopefully do that a little bit more. So, again, hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what you think. G Grammar, abqjournal.com is my email address, Twitter at Jeff Grammar. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next time, we'll, we will have one every week now um, throughout the season. So, hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, thanks for listening.